It's Croncast number 82. I'm titling this one, Will Smith is an All-Star. Joining me now is McCovey Chronicles contributor and freelance contributor to the San Francisco Examiner, Doug Brizzoni. Doug, welcome back. Oh, th- thank you. It feels it feels so good to be home. <laughs> Podcasting where where very few people exist right now. Um, <laughs> so we're back doing the Crimecast, the Giants season. The last time we did one, I don't even remember. It was like last May, I think. And I don't feel like much has changed since then. The record was kind of worse. But uh, yeah, Doug, how are you doing? Like with life or just the giants your fandom you still fan it's been a while yeah i mean (laughs) kind of except for when i'm working as a professional and you're not allowed to cheer uh other than then yeah (laughs) I'm, i'm still a fan has there been a moment where you've been close to thinking about cheering um so the first game i did uh i i was not used to it uh, the the rules. So like I'm sitting in the press box and I don't I don't even remember who. Someone on the Giants gets a hit and like I had this instinct of like oh I should clap and cheer and then I was like looking around like no I shouldn't. <laughs> Andrew Andrew Bagler Andrew Bagley will think less of me. <laughs> Did he look at you and like kind of shake his head like don't think about it don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I couldn't make eye contact with him. He was wearing a $5,000 suit. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing a $5,000 suit. And then he'd say, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to make eye contact with a guy who's not wearing a $7,000 suit. Come on. <laughs> Pitch perfect impression of Andrew Baggerly, by the way. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, people remember the format. But we're not going to stick to it. Like, why go over what the Giants did last week? We're also recording this. Uh, as I'm recording this right now, I just, I just, I'm looking at Austin Slater come to the plate for his season debut here. I kind of want to wait and see what happens. But uh, Doug actually well, interviewed. I'm recording this. I, I know what happens. <laughs> I'm like three seconds ahead of Brian. <laughs> he really is, and that was a wild play. And. We, we're going to get to the, what just happened later. It ties in perfectly. Doug had an interview with Austin Slater, and it's amazing what just happened. And we'll talk about it in a minute. And for the, in the meantime, though, I want to talk about what just happened. The week that was, before you tune out, because we're not going to go over each game. The Giants went 3-4. and four. Who gives a crap? They're bad. We get it. The one thing I will say, what last week really did do, in my mind, was kind of sour i soured on the notion that they could make a, a run at the second wild card they were six and a half games back uh i just don't think it's gonna happen they're, they're seven and a half games back uh, as of today when we're recording this but it looked it looked dire now i, I what do you think do you think they still have a chance <laughs> i mean if they weren't bad they would have a chance <laughs> like i don't think the problem is that they're now seven and a half games back into the six and a half games back the problem is that they're just not that good. Um, in every way. So, so like, I, I'm not super concerned about it. I haven't been thinking about the playoffs basically at all this year because uh, they're they're not a good team. They're, that's just not who they are. That's not who I expected them to be. And really what I'm looking for this year isn't kind of a playoff run or, or anything like that. 
Um, I'm just looking for some of the young guys to sort of play like major leaguers. I'm looking for them to have a few different guys, like having the same kind of year that Sean Anderson's having. Where like, he's not great, but he's good, and he definitely belongs in the majors. Um, and as long as they're doing that, then I think that's the progress you want. And if you're looking for the playoffs, uh, then I wish there was a Bay Area sports team that was definitely going, oh, the Sharks, then you should be a Sharks fan. <laughs> that's just the Sharks. <laughs> Uh, I posted a question uh, on Twitter today, and I I didn't do it right. I'm I'm off my trolling game, but uh, there's me admitting it that I do that. But I posted who would win the most games next year, the Giants, the Warriors, or the Sharks. I definitely should have taken Cal Bear's suggestion and said who would have the best winning percentage next season. And I really think that that's an interesting question to consider. Uh, But back to your point about you're hoping that you can find some positives. I, I think I've written that off too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I said this in the last one, it's, and I said this with Roger, like it's hard to like, are we going to learn anything from this? So Sean Anderson shows that he belongs in the majors, but sort of like, what's that ceiling? Um, but, but just to, we have a rundown folks. I want to burn through this because Doug's time is precious. Uh, <laughs> mine less so. And, and, Drew Pomerantz is not one of these young guys, but he's sort of, I don't know, he's trying to kind of salvage this part of his career. He's trying to kind of hang on and turn it around a little bit uh, because since 2017, it has not been good. But his month of June has basi- was basically good. He had one really bad start where he gave up the seven runs um, against the Dodgers. But, you know, the Dodgers just really pounded the Giants. But other than that, I mean, he's coming off his last two starts alone, 10 innings, 18 strikeouts. But for the month, he went five innings, four out of his five starts. He had, let me do some math here, 12 plus 18. That's uh, 30. Wait, yeah, that's 30. That's 30 strikeouts in 20 innings if you ignore the Dodger series. He, or Dodger game. So I guess my question to you is like, is there improvement going on here? Or are we just seeing the random variance of a guy who's kind of wobbly? I mean, if you look at his ERA by month, in uh, March and April, his ERA was 408, which is fine. You know, that's not bad. It's not great, but it's fine. Passable. Uh, in, in June, his ERA was 333, which is, you know, that's good. He's not pitching a lot of innings. You know, he'll have the occasional blow-up start. He's not going to do well against the Dodgers, who are uh, the best team ever assembled and will come to your house and uh, seduce your wife. Um <laughs> In, in in May, Drew Pomeranz had an ERA of 19.16. Yeah, but so did the um, whole team. I mean... He, he, he had an ERA of the middle of World War One. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it is hard. Like, as much as we watch him and we know how bad he was then, you do have to think that that is more the aberration than, than the other two. Because, like, he can't, he can't be that bad, right? Well, um, I mean, you watch the starts when right, that that's bad. It. It's like, well, he can be. I'm watching it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think what I was kind of wondering was sort of he, you know, it's not often you see a guy who can hit 94 with kind of the, the he's got a power fastball and he's got a great curveball. And, you know, you would hope that he could kind of settle into that Rich Hill mode although Rich Hill's curveball is obviously elite. 
but sort of, you know, you watch Pomerantz and you go, yeah, I see it. I get it. I see what everyone sees in him. You see how he gets batters out. And so in that sense, it's exciting. Um, you know, you just wonder can, if the Giants could fix him. What, what does that mean? I mean, that's the other part. This is where it gets back to, are we going to learn anything here? Let's say that the season had been basic. If, he, if his whole season had basically been like June was, where, you know, where he'd basically be a five-inning pitcher, but two runs, maybe three runs, the occasional blow-up like when he faced the Dodgers, you know, he's a trade chip by now. So then, oh, the Giants fixed him, and they're going to get an A, uh, an a ball or a double-A reliever for him at the deadline. <laughs> You know, it's sort of like, what do we gain from that? Uh, I mean, is it fun to watch Drew Pomerantz kind of figure things out? Or is it just like, uh, I, I feel nothing when I watch him. It's sort of, it was cool <laughs> see, it's cool to see 94 from the left side. Because for the Giants, it's not typically something you see from the starters um, for the most part. Uh, yeah. So that's, so, that's been the exciting part. <laughs> Pomerantz at this point... Uh, yeah, I, there's not really any point to watching him um, because they're not going to trade. Like, unless he has, rips off three or four good starts and they can get that double-A reliever uh, in July, you know, he he's not going to get traded for very much and he's not going to be around next year. And it doesn't matter how well he does in August and September. And even if you wanted to take oh, hey, this coaching staff staff fixed him is like a sign of how impressive the coaching staff is, they're going to have an entirely new coaching staff next year. Like, nobody's remaining. So what do you gain from watching Drew Pomeranz is just, if he's good, you gain the pleasure of watching a good player play baseball, but he's not that good. No. So no, I mean, there was nothing wrong with taking that gamble on him, I think. No. Um, yeah, At this point, they don't have a lot of starting pitching depth in the upper minors that looks good. Sorry, Ty Block. Uh, but, you know, I don't blame them for continuing to run him out there. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't blame anyone for being like, oh, it's a Pomeranz start. I'm going to go do something else with my time. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like in the same nexus of player, uh, we've got Tyler Austin. You know, you see exactly why the, they picked him up. You know, a power-hitting guy from the right-hand side. Um, but that's sort of his own... That's basically all he's got. But I want to—I do want to point something out with Tyler Austin. That was a great play he made the other night. <laughs> it was. There was no... If you were to have told me two minutes before that play <laughs> that... that uh, if you had asked me to guess... Uh, who on the field would have made a play you would not believe because th- that player has done nothing to um, deserve your, you know, to deserve your hope for their their performance. Austin would not even factor in. I would have assumed that Stephen Vogt had gone into left field and something amazing had happened. Uh, I would not I have mean, seen so, that. <laughs> so I mean that that was a great play. I will say the one reason that it is more interesting to watch Tyler Austin and Drew Bomberans is if Tyler Austin's good, he's around next year. Tyler Austin came in this year with like a little, with like almost two years of service time. So the Giants, if he's good, could keep him for four, for four more years, maybe five. I would say the, okay, so that's fair. I can, I'm, I'm fine with being wrong. I would point out that sort of what we're seeing now, at least, 
it's so small sample size. I, I feel like my whole ass is hanging out right now. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like, yeah, we, he might be around next year and maybe even the year after, but doesn't it feel like his ceiling is basically going to be fourth outfielder and this platoon situation? Um, I, I'm, I'm, for the moment, I'm on his side in terms of the platooning is, is sort of ridiculous and the times recently where they've played him against righties, he's act, he actually hit a home run like in his last two, I think, before his last time, the previous two times he had hit home runs against righties the last two times he faced him. And then, of course, Bruce Bochy had him bunt for some reason and with no outs in the ninth um, against the Dodgers, but that's another matter. Um, that's, but that's a fair point. He'll, he'll, he has a better chance of being around next year than uh, Drew Pomerantz, who almost surely does not. Um, but again, he's one of those players, like, what do we learn from, from him? He's going to be... What? So if he's around next year or the year after, he's the starting left fielder, maybe first baseman at times moving around, or he's the fifth out, fourth outfielder. And it's like for these next two bridge years, you know what I mean? Like he's not going to be, <laughs> he, he's yeah. not going to be the, the, a lineup staple most likely. Um, and that's what gets so frustrating. Um, one person I think who has a chance to stick though, because he kind of has to, is Alex Dickerson. <laughs> Which we need, we should talk about the rise of Alex Dickerson. Ten games, he's got an over 1,000 OPS. He's already got two home runs, 12 RBI. And he has a t-shirt from Breaking Tea, which you should go check on our website <laughs> to order it. Uh, but Purchase our good and our services. Yes. Alex Dickerson uh, cut by the Padres because he's been hurt so much and they, had, they need a room on the 40-man, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, a, a tall, doofy-looking left-handed... Uh, hitter wh- who's got strike zone control and some power. Um, do you have any thoughts on Alex Dickerson besides Dick, 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 I mean, yeah, my, my thoughts are what? He, Dick pounds the ball. Uh, uh, you gotta, those balls have got to get deep on Dick. Uh, you know, other various penis related puns. Yep. Yep. Lots of shaft. Lots, lots of the middle. Shaft. Lots of the middle. Yep. He loves to let out the shaft. Uh, um, do you share my my feeling that he's got a Damon Minor vibe to him? Or am I on an island there? Um, I think that Dickerson's a better hitter than Damon Minor ever was. Because Damon Minor always seemed like a really awkward dude. Like, he was big and he had tons of power, but it seemed a little disjointed to me. Um, he did have that weird two-part two swing where he had to, like, kind of set up, uh, like, his feet were out of the, like, pointed out past first base, and then he'd bring it back in as the pitch came in, his weird timing mechanism. He also looked like a like a PE teacher. Yeah. Oh, he really looks like a PE teacher now. Because <laughs> um, he's, he's the Rivercats hitting coach, and you look at him, he's like, oh, man. He's going to make me run a lap. <laughs> well, probably he's got a whistle dangling down for no reason. Uh, but Alex uh, Dickerson is very much of this, of this, what we're going to be seeing the next couple of years, just, just running, running through inventory of human beings. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that, that you kind of have to expect the Giants are going to do is they're going to take a lot of flyers on guys because they don't have a ton of top-tier talent in their, in their farm system that's anywhere near the majors. You know, they have Bart, they have Ramos. Um, maybe, maybe Connor Menez will turn out to be great. 
but overall, it's just not. It's just a little bit of. It's it's thin in triple A. It's thin in double A. Um, and so what they're going to do is they're going to find people who have a tool and they're going to see if they can do something with that tool. Um, with Dickerson, it you know he he's a good hitter. He's just been limited by by injuries. Uh, with Austin, like we were just talking about, he has massive power. Giants are definitely not going to get anyone with power in free agency. They're going to stay the hell away. Um, so they have to do what they can to see if they can work with it. Uh, Dickerson hopefully will will keep letting us chant Dick <laughs> because we love doing that, and that will also mean that he's done a good job. But uh, it it really is kind of wait and see with him, and we should just hope that he he keeps doing well. Do you want to put any uh, predictions on how many games you think he'll play with the Giants? Or if he's going to be the next Mike Gerber, uh, <laughs> Michael Reed, um, Connor, Connor Joe, Joe. <laughs> Mac Williamson. <laughs> I mean, I think he's already got more games than all of them except Williamson. <laughs> uh, the strike zone judgment, I think, is really crucial. And I'm, I'm kind of saving this for the next Croncast, but sort of something to keep in mind in terms of rebuilding that's always funny that everyone's a lot of people that you know online baseball fans it's like analytics 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 and it's like what's the next thing we're talking about spin rates launch angle exit velocity all that stuff and you know there's this um sloan talk that farhan zaidi was at uh when he was still with the a's back in 2013 and this whole panel like if you watch it now it's like oh my god voros mccracken and and uh, Joe Posnanski and um, uh, Jonah Carey, like they're all there and they're just shooting the shit. But then they also are talking about like, you know, the things that started all this are still important. Like on base percentage is still important. Um, <laughs> being able to control the strike zone. And so a part of me feels like, you know, Jim Bowden said today in The Athletic that the Giants rebuild is like five to seven years. It's going to take him like if that happens and they're never going to be good. So I mean, that's the only thing I'll that say Jim about Bowden's that is, ever right. Thanks God, Jim Bowden was a shitty GM. Yeah, exactly. So ignoring that Jim Bowden is uh, is usually wrong. Uh, the to me, the idea like if the Giants turn it around, the Giants could turn it around quickly. In 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 one easy respect, they could just like actually acknowledge that on base percentage is important. <laughs> <laughs> like it's great that they won without it, or you know, without an emphasis on it. But, you know, that could be the easiest way to, to make the offense league average. And, you know, my God, that's what, all I'm clamoring for at this point is league average. And what more league average could you get than Steven Vogt? There, that oh, is a guy who does... What a segue. Yes. That is a guy who does everything average. I'm not sure what his scouting report says now, but I venture to guess it's 45 or 50s across the board. And you look at his defense, it's basically he's like a minus one or a zero at defensive run saves, which is not the be all and end all, obviously, for catching or defense in general. But like, that's one thing. His speed is like a little below league average, but it's like he's a catcher. So it's basically average speed. And, you know, on base percentage, you know, his hit tool, all that stuff. He's like a, he's, I want to say he's like a, just a scrappy guy, but there's, such a loaded word at this point so can we just say like he is he's like the perfect backup catcher but also like the perfect utility kind of player 
Which is bizarre because, you know, he doesn't wear batting gloves, so I'm really against that <laughs> on that level. <laughs> but uh, Brian, For those of you just tuning into the Croncast, yes. <laughs> Brian's vendetta against players who don't wear batting gloves is ongoing. It is our, our most treasured recurring bit, and we are happy every time it comes up. Uh, I don't even need two batting gloves. Give me one batting glove. So, <laughs> um, but he makes it work. So has Steven Vogt registered at all on the Brazoni scale or, or no? He's just so average. You're just like, I'm, I'm focused on not cheering in the press box. There's no impact. No, I mean, he's been, he's been good. He's been a, a good addition. Remember how the beginning of the year, the backup catcher was Eric Kratz? <laughs> yeah, I remember. I also remember going, why did the Giants give up uh, Tom Murphy, who's like slugging 500 for the Mariners now and is like 28. And I'm like, why did they rush through him to get to Kratz? And uh, yeah, Eric Kratz was on the team. That definitely happened. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So Eric Kratz was basically on the team because they, the Giants liked his defensive abilities uh, and they figured they just kind of shine it on for a month or two until vote was ready. And uh I mean, that's really what it was. And then Kratz wasn't that great defensively. And uh, and he didn't really have a place on the roster. And so when you look at Vote, especially compared to Kratz, he's like a godsend. When you look at Vote just in general, he's been a very good backup catcher. Um, he's been exactly what you want. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy he's around. Like, the Giants have spent a couple years messing around with Nick Hunley and I feel like what we're seeing from Stephen Vogt is what Hunley was always supposed to be. Like, he is reasonable defensively. He's a pretty, he's a decent enough hitter. And pitchers like throwing to him. Like, Madison Bumgarner has thrown to Stephen, Go Stephen Vogt while Buster Posey was healthy. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that is huge, honestly. And that's, that is not nothing. I mean, I, I wouldn't... You... If you've listened to the Croncast, you know our long-standing vendetta against Nick Hunley. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're a reader of the site, you know for some reason we didn't like him. I mean, I'll never take away that he, he always had power. Like, that was always interesting part of his game. But, like, what Vote may not have Hunley's power, but he also but he's like a smart enough hitter. You know, he's going to put him, when he's in a hitter's count, he's going to do damage on a pitch if it's, you know, where he wants it. Like, he's not going to try to do more than he can. You know, I like his approach at the plate when he's batting. I really like him. You mentioned Bumgarner, but I put it in my recaps. I really like when uh, he's catching Tyler Beatty. I really feel like you've seen Tyler Beatty more than I have. It just seems like we're t I'm on a Tyler Beatty tangent. I'll bring it back, I promise. Uh, Tyler Beatty, obviously talented, has stuff it, it it really does seem to me just watching from the outside that it's it's in his head like focus nerves whatever it is like that that has not reached the major league level quite yet and it just seems like vote back there is a works for him and i think i don't know if it's because buster posey like the gravitas of throwing to buster posey or like buster posey is like so sick of everything that like if the pitch is not where it's supposed to be he's a little more reactive and votes just like he he his face only changes when he gets you know a, a foul ball right in his face <laughs> like that's that's the only time you see steven votes reaction really change uh too much 
And so I wonder if that, if, you know, it just seems like, I'm not sure if his best performance has been with Vote, but it just seems like he has been not just a steadying presence because he's been exactly what they need, but he actually has helped improve a little bit of the pitching staff in maybe a way that some of the other backups probably would not have done. I mean, I can't. That's like just being being a fan right now. I don't know if it makes any sense there, but so no. Stephen Vogt's been great. We've talked about the, the we've talked to like about spots twenty two through twenty five of the roster. Let's <laughs> talk about number one at the depth chart. This is my rough segue now. I had a great one. Here's a bad one. Will Smith was just named uh, to the All Star game. It's his first All Star appearance. It's the sole representative of the Giants for the twenty nineteen All Star game in Cleveland. Uh, he's he's the best player on the team. It's it's not that close. There's not, yeah. you know, Bumgarner's second. It's still not that close. Um, so here's my here's my quick uh, big deal story. So I was there on I was covering the game on Sunday um, when you know at two thirty or two forty five or whatever time it was. Uh, Will Smith was in as the All Star. Well, just before the game started, one of the Giants PR staff came up to me. And uh, he was like, so just, just to let you know, um, there is an embargo on any All-Star news until the new, it's officially announced that Will Smith is an All-Star, or whoever is an All-Star. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it was clearly like, yes, of course Will Smith is going to be the All-Star. You just can't tweet about it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I, I knew that. Like, I, I didn't even consider anyone else could make the team. Because who would? <laughs> That is the the big question I want to save for just a moment. But I really want to talk about, uh, just for a second, you know, coming back from Tommy John surgery, it almost seems like, of course, they're going to come back from Tommy John surgery, right, at this point. And it seems like the majority of them, 55%, 65%, maybe even 75% of them, of pitchers come back. But it's not a guarantee. And Will Smith is coming back. He's throwing 94-mile-an-hour fastballs. He's got a great curveball he's got a great slider he's doing you know he's a closer when he wasn't like built as a closer he's kind of shifted into that role and he looks great every time out there you know sometimes closers even when he gets into trouble he still is like uh he's still basically will smith in there i still see it (laughs) you know he can still get the life on the fastball um and that's not always the case with closers but it's just sort of remarkable that what he's been able to accomplish, and I, I just don't want to take away from that. He also seems like a really cool guy. Maybe you know him as a jerk or something, but no, um, he's, he's, yeah, he's, I got um, I got a quote from him. One of the games I did last year, um, the, the second game I did last year, and then he won the Willie Mack Award last year, which is always a good sign. And then, uh, and you know, he was super. Yeah, but Nick Hundley won that award, so. <laughs> yes, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They just... did win it the year before. That is yes. true. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, every time I've talked to Will Smith, he's been great. He's been really personable. He's been um, he's been pretty excited uh, and like very human in a way that a lot of players aren't. Uh, you know, a lot of players just show up and give quotes and, and leave. Um, you'll see that pretty often. You know, a lot, a lot of players are basically just Buster Posey's Twitter account. Yeah. And uh, Will Smith, you know, I've interacted with him three times, and he's he's never been that. He's always been um, pretty good. So He's I, always been Johnny Cueto's Instagram account? He's always been Johnny Cueto's Instagram <laughs> account. 
Uh, now let's get to the the nitty gritty. Now that we know he's a good person who's good, what's his worth as a trade chip? That's the that's the key here. That's the whole reason any of this is ha- why this year has any weight to it whatsoever. This is the last, really the last class of the Giants being able to trade themselves into help because after Bumgarner and after Will Smith, it's just weighted dead money and players a year older who they cannot move for really much of anything. So it's, you know, they've got Dyson, they've got Tony Watson, they've got Reyes Maranta. I guess he could be a trade chip next year and beyond. So maybe that's the exception there. Um, Joe Panic maybe still has some value in there. But sort of, I have no idea where you're at in terms of even thinking about this, but uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on I don't want to see Will Smith go, but we know he's going to. Um, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. he's he's going to be gone. Like, I'm going to miss him, but he's definitely going to be gone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he has really good trade value. I think that the on from a pure baseball perspective, like, if you're just like, here's guy A, he's a reliever. Here's guy B, he's a starter. And you didn't give names or postseason history or anything. I think he might have more trade value than Bumgarner. Um Bumgarner has more right now because of his name, because of what he's done, I think. Um, and he's also throwing the ball well. Uh, but I think Will Smith is going to get something decent, you know? And I, I, I also think that it's possible the Giants, if I were the Giants, I might be looking to package another reliever with him. Um, not to say they're going to get what uh, what the Padres got last year when they traded – Brad Hand and Adam Simber for Francisco Mejia. But that's kind of the, you know, the the B grade of that trade is sort of what I would be looking for. So like Will Smith and Sam Dyson to get a B prospect. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable thing for them to do. I'm also, this is based on nothing, by the way. <laughs> this is just an opinion. Um, well, I think, that, I mean, even you kind of just coming, you know, looking at it, having the bird's eye view of it, even you're like, yeah, he's, the Giants are going to get something really, really nice for him. Yeah, they should. I'm um, going to turn it up a notch. The The only problem, the only, th- the, there are two complications to the Giants not getting what the Yankees got for Araldus Chapman back in 2016 when they traded him to the Cubs. There are two roadblocks to that. First, why would I compare Will Smith to Araldus Chapman? Araldus <laughs> Chapman throws 103 miles an hour, or he did in, in 2016, and he was the de facto scary arm and all that stuff. Will Smith's numbers are slightly better than Chapman's was at the time of the trade. So there's that. They both had expiring contracts. Um, Smith's is cheaper. Um, Smith has less mileage on his arm. He plays you know, for a losing team. He hasn't pitched nearly as much. So the idea that the Giants could get like a team's number one prospect, which is what the Yankees got when they traded Chapman away, um, is not it's not unheard of. I understand three years have passed, the market's changed a little bit. So the idea of a top ten prospect still not absurd, but like what you said, um, a nice B prospect. What would prevent a top ten is if the stupid Mets. Start selling. <laughs> if the Mets start selling 
and or if the if Cleveland starts selling because they've got Brad Hand and he's under the thing about Hand and Simber was they were both they're both under contract for like it's like Simber was pre arbitration and Hand was signed to an extension and then the Padres traded him because they're assholes um, <laughs> uh, and you know and obviously uh, Smith is a free agent so like that would that that would stumble upon it but like. One thing to keep in mind if you're listening and you're hopeful about what the Giants are going to do at the trade deadline, it's very unlikely that even if they were to trade 10 players on the team and get 20 or 30 players back, which is not going to happen, but let's just say if it did, the odds of them getting their team, like getting that core team that takes them to the next level from one trade deadline of trades, very remote. It just doesn't work that way in baseball. Like the the best they can hope for is they'll get what they'll trade like for five or ten players. That's ridiculous roundup. But let's say five or ten players, maybe one or two of them is on the next winning Giants team. It tends tends to be how it works. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's how you get good players. Like, it's, yeah. uh, it's what you have to do is you have to do your best. You uh, use the assets you have. Um, you know, the traditional way to use that asset is is money in free agency, but. Uh, since baseball teams don't spend money on players anymore because that would cost them money, uh, you have to do something else. Uh, and then the other part of that is, you know, it's not just you trade for that player, for these players, and then the players are good. A lot of the time it's like you trade for players and then you trade those players to get good players. So that that's another way where it could work out too. So we you mentioned Bumgarner. Let's bring up Bumgarner real quick. You know, one, yes, Bumgarner has been pitching great lately. I think his last two starts have certainly felt, you know, emotionally like vintage Bumgarner. There's one thing I wanted to bring up that I noticed yesterday, though. Um, if you are if you are an avid um, participant in the site, I'm not going to name the commenter, but there is a commenter who, after every Madison Bumgarner-related thing comes up, is quick to post... That he's a four-fip guy who's just throwing trash cutters. So the Giants should try to get whatever they can for him, which is like an A-ball reliever who throws 95 uh, or 98. And, and you know, it annoys me because that's ridiculous. He looks great. Here's something to keep in mind. As great of, of a month as Madison Bumgarner seemed to have, and we can just say, like, really, it was that Dodgers start that was really bad. Here was his... For June, Doug, here's what his, just as June was, which I think you'd agree was a great month, right? We were all saying he was back. Yeah. 401 ERA. Okay, whatever. A 457 FIP. (laughs) And an expected FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, which means walks, hits, home runs, that it's expected based on the quality of contact, 431. (laughs) (laughs) So Madison Bumgarner was ex- was exactly what the commenter has pointed out. The analytics, these teams that would potentially be trading for Madison Bumgarner, yes, they would be paying more for the name than they would be the performance. But that doesn't mean he hasn't been worth less. It's just the idea that the Giants, the Giants are not going to get back someone who's going to make it feel like it's worth it. It's just not going to happen. It seems no, extremely I mean, it's, remote. Emotionally, it's going to be very tough. And there's not really going to be uh, anything to hold on to. Like, it's still, from a baseball perspective, the right move, I think. Um, and especially since uh, with Farhan at the helm now, the Giants are probably not going to give out big contracts to anybody. 
you know, they were like, okay, Bryce Harper, sure. But like, if you're not Bryce Harper, you're not going to get the kind of big contract that Bumgarner is going to want and that he deserves. So they do have to get what they can get for him and they have to do it now and it's going to suck. But the other options would suck more. So it feels like we're in Gio Gonzalez territory <laughs> where, where that, I mean that the nationals traded Gonzalez, I think it was a waiver trade in August and, uh, and the nationals actually paid down the rest of his contract and the brewers gave up like their 25th ranked prospect and then some a ball pitcher. It's just not going to feel, it's not going to feel good. It's going to really suck. I mean, it's uh, not going to be that bad. There are going to be bidders for Madison Bumgarner. Um, I mean, it's, if if he's packaged with Will Smith, I'm suddenly thinking I'm I'm now I'm dreaming big, um, <laughs> and which is not impossible, and it might actually be the biggest benefit for. I mean, this is the great thing of the one good thing about this whole situation the Giants are in is that the money is not going to be an obstacle to them doing anything. Whether even if they don't sign big contracts, like you said, like they'll still be able to take flyers on guys because the money risk is not going to hurt them. They're going to be able to eat contract to move players, even though I don't think that's going to happen, but they can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can always make it worth the while of another team. All right. Uh, We don't have any questions from anyone this week. We haven't been asking for them. And when we did ask, no one gave it to them. Almost as though we need to reestablish our brand and our identity and rebuild trust in the audience. That's fair. So instead, Doug, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit because you are now covering games uh, a couple of times a month. And and that's exciting. And you can feel free to say uh, that you can't divulge your – you won't give up your sources. You can reject the question. It's fine. Uh, But I do have a couple of questions about sure. you covering the Giants. Um, are you already jaded by your access? Like you're so, going into Oracle Park, the back way. You know, <laughs> you know the, all the cool people um, and you know where the good food is that's free. So are you already jaded? Well, okay, first off, there is not free food. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're part of the press, you have to pay either six or $11 for your meal. Uh, Six dollars if you get just like a sandwich and a salad. Eleven dollars for the full meal, whatever they make that day. So that's that's the inside scoop that you guys probably didn't know. Um, that's the story that's, you have to tell us. That's what I'm taking that as. That's what they no, say. no. If the food was free, I would brag about it. <laughs> I, eleven I bucks. Take, that's the that's a that's a bargain. You can't get a full no, meal I, for eleven bucks. It, it's a bargain, and you can you can get plenty of food. There are free sodas if you want that, or free water, which is what I drink. So uh, free coffee for people who like it. So we got that, but uh, and apparently, uh, and the, you know, obviously free Wi-Fi, which is interesting because uh, about a month ago I was at Angel Stadium and my phone auto connect connected to the press Wi-Fi there. So I guess the password's the same everywhere. Oh, is it like the um, you know those. Like the UC system has those campus Wi-Fi's, and if you go to any kind of like UC campus, it's the same thing. It must be the same setup where you have. Um, that's yeah, cool. I think I think so. Um, uh, that's so cool. I got, anyway, back to whether I'm jaded. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no. So the the first game I covered was last year, and it was uh, it was Aramis Garcia's first game in the majors, which was really good for me because. Um, I'm going in there and I'm like, well, I'm a fraud. Just like, that's a fact, right? I, what the hell am I doing here? 
Um, but uh, you know, having having Garcia there meant I could have a game plan for my pregame story was. So I knew I talked to him. Um, I kind of I had the idea that I would go talk to Hunter Strickland because uh, Strickland in his rehab in Sacramento had thrown to Garcia, so he had like the most recent experience with Garcia defensively. Um, and Strickland's great, by the way. He was he was very nice. He answered two or three questions politely. Uh-huh. Um, but so I, I go down to do that, and the first time I go to go in the clubhouse, I just walk right past it because I'm like, no, no, I don't want there. That's, that's, that's not for me. Um, then I kind of went back upstairs in the press box for a minute. I was like, all right, got to get it together. I'm technically being paid for this. Um, went down, went in, talked to Garcia, which was fine. Um, and I was waiting for Strickland to come out. Because, you know, they're, they're doing stuff. They're not necessarily in the actual locker room the whole time. They're working out. They're in the training room. They're looking at tape. They're doing whatever they're doing. Uh, and so I'm sitting and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. And, you know, the clubhouse is open for like an hour before the game. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of bored now. Like, I'm standing in the Giants clubhouse, and I'm staring at Twitter on my phone because I'm bored. So that's, it took about 30 minutes for me to be like, well, this is just a place for me to be and a thing for me to do. Um, so that's, that's me being jaded. It took less than an hour. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, this is this is a perfect transition. We started the podcast with uh, Austin Slater's first at bat, uh, and now in the second at bat, he uh, I would say scorched a triple to uh, to right field in in Petco Park. And I gotta tell you, I'm surprised that that's his third career uh, triple. I I'm more surprised that that was hit so hard to the opposite field. But that would seemingly be the result of his new swing, which you covered in an article uh, at the beginning of June, which is on the site and I have linked to on Twitter and you should check it out. It's great. Um, the His first plate appearance though, if you didn't watch the last night's game, was he lined, <laughs> like he scalded a ball right back uh, up the middle, which that's, ty- that's uh, Austin Slater, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> back control. He's gonna, <laughs> oh, he's gonna give it right. I'm just gonna hit it right back up the middle. So it was just funny to watch his first um, uh, plate appearance basically be like most of his other ones. But that last, uh, his hit really scalded. Did you, when you're listening to him talk, when you're hearing a player talk about what they're going, doing that, it seems like it'd be difficult for them to have the Buster Posey Twitter account thing there. So like when they're talking about their process, I mean, does it, what is it, does it tell you anything about who they are as a person or you kind of just feel like you are listening to some, maybe not a polished recitation, but sort of like they're imparting what they were kind of learned, like the words, the verbiage, the phrasing, or does it seem like Austin is like Austin, I keep messing him up with Tyler Austin or is uh, Slater, you know, you're, you're being like, Oh, I see where this guy's coming from. And he reminds me of, uh, of me in my younger days. Like that kind of stuff? Is that going on? <laughs> um, so Slater is interesting because I, I asked to talk to Slater and I was not actually expecting him to have a ton of personality. Like the first guy I talked to in AAA was Tyler Rogers, who's uh he hasn't he's still in AAA, he's a submariner. The Giants have never had faith in him. 
Um, and he was really boring. And uh, later that year, I talked to Ryder Jones, who was not boring, but he was definitely very professional, very media trained. He gave really good answers, but there was, but there was definitely like a distance, um, which is fine. You know, if, if I were Ryder Jones, I would want there to be a distance between me and any dumb blog reporter who came to talk to me. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, but there, there really wasn't that with Slater. He was, he was really personable. And uh, so when he was talking about his swing, he, he had a little bit of a rote thing that he, that he wanted to go, that he, I, don't, I wouldn't say wanted to go into, that like he would go into by habit. But I kind of pushed him on it um, a little bit more because I really did want to know about the swing pretty specifically. So I was trying to get as much as I could out of him. And so he kind of explained some of it and then some of it I had to look up uh, because there's this thing that happens when you're talking to baseball players and they say something and you're like, sure, I understand that. And then you're like writing up what they're talking about. You're like, what? I didn't understand that at all. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I did and I had to look it up. So his new swing, just to summarize it, um, and so he didn't he didn't say this specifically, but he went to Stanford, and Stanford is notorious for having a certain kind of swing that works well in college and doesn't work in the majors. It's a really short path to the ball. So if you imagine a pitcher throwing a ball wherever your bat is, it's like the shortest path to the ball you'll hit it the hardest. Um, and so that's that works in college. For one thing, the feelers aren't as good. For another thing, you have metal bats, so the, the ball goes faster. Um, it doesn't work in the pros you get a lot of ground balls that way. And so what he had to do uh, was he kind of adjusted his swing. And what he made a big deal about was that uh, it was the swing path. So if you imagine the way a pitcher throws, you know, he's throwing from high to low, right? Where, where the ball leaves his hand to where it goes to the catcher's mitt, it's on a downward slope. Mm -hmm. So the, the way that, that uh, Slater's adjusted his swing is that instead of meeting that with sort of a flat swing, um, he's meeting it with a little more of an uppercut, which means you're getting more of the ball there. And he's staying in the zone longer. He's doing a few other things. Um, and so all those things, you know, when you get him to explain that and explain that in a little more depth than he otherwise would, then he, he really does kind of start to light up a little bit and he has a lot to say about it because, you know, this, this is his life, this is his profession. And it's interesting to him. He likes it. And he remind when he does that, he reminds you of a younger version of yourself. That's right. Yeah, abs absolutely. <laughs> I um, I used to have a body just like that. Uh, I still do. I'm, I'm At very this small. point in baseball in the 21st century, even the guys who are not the most athletic, they're still like, oh, that that person is that is a physical specimen, right? Like. <laughs> Well, there, there's a couple on the Giants who I would not say that about. And I oh. think you can guess who. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but he, the one I'm thinking of really makes it work. I, I, no, need, to get this, I need to get this question out. Are, are Aramis Garcia's eyebrows in person as striking as they are on television? They're not. Ah. I, you know, I, I was surprised by that too. But... Uh, <laughs> They're, yeah, he's. Uh, you don't notice them as much. They're not. They're not the star. 
That's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a, a nice uh, glimpse behind the curtain. And Doug, thank you for joining us. I know you're busy. You got to run off to not be on this podcast. So uh, we'll be back next week. Next week's going to be a different show because there's a McCovey meetup, which I don't know if Doug's going to be there, but it's on Saturday uh, with the, the Cardinals game. I'm actually going to be there. Sammy Higgins is going to be there. We might do some recording for the for a later podcast. But next week I'm going to do sort of a special coverage. I don't think I've cracked the code of Farin Zaidi's uh, rebuild plans. I think he just told us what he's going to do and all the evidence uh, that the, all the transactions the Giants have made this season, including the draft, has done nothing but prove uh, what he's already said. So... If you want to know what Farin is going to do, how he's going to rebuild the Giants, and maybe how long it's going to take, listen to next week's podcast. I have the definitive answer, Doug. I know oh. you won't be listening, but I have the well, definitive answer. I should listen and, to that then. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should find an app that they have podcasts on. <laughs> well, that's right. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Croncast 82. And again, thanks, Doug, for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at MoonwalkMcFly. You can follow us on Twitter at McCoveyCron. We also do have, for now, a separate account uh, for Twitter account for just the podcast channel, at McCroncast. And that's right. We have a McCovey Chronicles podcast channel. You can find us on all your podcast haunts. We're on Spotify. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. Um, I think we're we're no, that's the one only ones I can think of right now. But we are on the Megaphone.fm platform, and uh, SB Nation uh, Network is uh, providing us with the opportunity to have multiple shows. So you've got the Croncast, which we're doing every week. We also have uh, the MCC Happy Hour, our new show. Uh, hosted by Sammy Higgins, and she's on every Wednesday with a special guest. They'll take an hour to talk about baseball, general baseball news, not necessarily Giants-related. This week's show will actually run on Thursday, on the 4th of July, and um, and then twice a month, thereabouts. Maybe it changes every so often, but basically twice a month, we're going to have a podcast uh, about just the prospects, just about the Giants' farm system, and that'll be hosted by Roger Munter. So if you want to know what's next for the Giants with the, the signing of their number one draft pick, Hunter Bishop, what's going on with Elliot Ramos, what's going on with Joey Bart, what's going on with Marcho, Marco Luciano, Marco Luciano. If you don't know who Marco Luciano is, he is not even 18 years old yet. You want to listen to that podcast when it comes out. Right now, it's the Untitled uh, Prospect Podcast with Roger. Up Power is what I'm calling it. It's a terrible name. If you have better ideas for our our prospect show, put it in the comments. And if you have any questions for for the next Croncast, go ahead and uh, you can at the McCovey Croncast Twitter account, the one I mentioned, Mick Croncast, or our channel, or leave in the comments below. Thanks again for listening.